Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. You can always send us an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com, and all social media sites, TV. Our network Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash xzbn.net. And, of course, you can always find out what's happening on the Exxon Broadcast Network simply by going to its site where you can find out who is on at what time, what show we have, let me see. A uh, different perspective with Kevin Randall. We have Dialogue with Divinity with Joanna Carroll. We have Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. We have uh, Paranormal Stakeout with Detective Larry Lawson. And that's just a few of the many great programs that we have available for you, the Exxon Nation, at www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is Stephen Lachance, and we've had the pleasure of having Stephen on the show many times. He's got a brand new book out that we're going to be talking about entitled Confrontation with Evil, an in-depth review of the 1949 possession that inspired The Exorcist. Now, Stephen is the author of The Uninvited, Blessed Are the Wicked, and Crazy, A Prayer for the Dead. He's been featured on the Travel Channel, CNN, NBC News, CBS News, Fox News, uh, and, you know, his bio reads like who's who of the alphabet in the media soup. He um, he lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and can be found online at www.stephenlachance.com. And, Stephen, welcome back to the Exxon. Congratulations on your new book. Well, uh, thank you, Rob. It's doing great. It's, it's pretty exciting, actually. <laughs> T- tell me, tell our listeners about your connection with the paranormal. Well, it was um, 2001. I moved into a house in Union, Missouri. Up to that point, I, I, I never really thought much about ghosts or that kind of thing. And then we moved into this house, and shortly after moving into it, things started happening. And, uh, the kids actually started seeing things and hearing things. And at one point, um, my youngest son, every time he would be out of the room, I would find him screaming and shaking, you oh, know, gosh. claiming something had chased him. And, um, and I thought, wow, you know, at one point I'm in bed and I have all three kids sleeping with me. And I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? You know, what's going on here? You know, was it the move and all that? 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't long after that when I saw it for the first time. And um, I was getting, we were going to play a game one night. We were sitting down and I look up into the kitchen doorway and the smoky black figure of a man stood there. And my whole life changed at that moment. At that moment, I realized there was such a thing as ghost. Your story nearly parallels that of the Conjuring that uh, that has that has been told by Andrea Perron. Is mm-hmm. is this a common structure when a family is being possessed or haunted? Well, it it really is. I mean, these things kind of go along the same pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we realized, you know. Um, with everybody now being able to talk so easily um, and in groups and, and so forth and the fact that we all see each other when we travel. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we realize that a lot of times people are always going through a really, you know, um, stressful time in their life. And it seems to be one of the things that draws us in. And so that's just one aspect. And it always seems like it works in the same way, you know, the stories are different in yeah. in events, but the overall structure of them pretty much are the same, aren't they? They certainly are. When we come back, Stephen, we're going to talk more about your book, Confrontation with Evil, an in-depth review of the 1949 possession that inspired The Exorcist. Explanation, my guest is Stephen A. Lachance, the author of this great book. And uh, if you'd like to find out more about Stephen, visit his website, stephenlachance.com. And I'd like to thank our good friends at Llewellyn for sending us a copy of this book and for having Stephen on the show with us. We'll be back on the other side of this break, Exxon Nation, as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center, which, uh, to the best of my knowledge, is not haunted, right here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Mind you, we couldn't say that when we were doing the show from News Talk 610 CKTB in St. Catharines, Ontario, because that place was haunted. Uh, we'll do a show on that some other time. Stephen A. Lachance is my guest. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back. Don't go away. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www. 
HolisticCancerFoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. And welcome back, everyone. Stephen A. Lachance is our special guest. Uh, we're talking about Stephen's new book, Confrontation with Evil. Noxonation for Stephen Lachance, the possession case that inspired The Exorcist, has always felt incomplete. In this book, he shows how the official account crumbles under scrutiny, revealing instead a story of familial horror and spiritual corruption that implicates the highest levels of the Catholic Church. Known as the 1949 St. Louis Exorcism, the harrowing story of a possessed child and his terrified family was immortalized in The Exorcist. Um, With Linda Blair, remember that? The head spinning around, the pea suit flying all over the place? While theories and rumors about the case abound, none of them explain how a young child could have been possessed to the degree described in the Father Raymond Bishop's infamous diary. Well... We're going to join Stephen, author, investigator, and himself the survivor of a long-term demonic attack, as he shares shocking evidence for how seemingly benign events progressed into a full-blown demonic possession. While the conventional story is that a boy brought the infestation upon himself, this book presents an alternative interpretation and provides new insights into the nature of possession itself. Stephen gains access to the secret location that plays a crucial role in this story. He sheds new light on how the exorcism's bizarre aftermath continues to haunt the city of St. Louis and the Catholic Church to this day. Joining me again is our good friend Stephen A. Lachance. Stephen, uh, what was it that prompted you to become the, the whistleblower of the exorcist case? Well, you know, I, I, yeah, you grow up in this city, and mm-hmm. you grow up with this story. And one of the things that you, you know, you hear about is the boy was exercised here, and the boy was exercised there. I mean, you go to St. Louis University, where the church was that was used in the case, and you ask somebody where it was, and they'll give you like 10 different places. And growing up, you hear the urban legends, and you hear the stories, yeah. and and, and things like that. And what, quite frankly, when I really started looking at it, Rob, was years ago, because I was looking for answers to what I had went through. And I thought, well, one of the best places to look for this would be that one of the more famous cases, which, of course, this was one of them. Mm-hmm. And it started to, it took me down this road 
um, that led me to different places and different things. And I think I bring to it a little bit of a different look, actually, someone that has been through something like this. I bring a little bit of different insight to it than you might have gotten with other people in some ways. And so I sat down and I said, okay, you know, I had started researching this in 2005. I sat down and said, well, I'll go ahead and it's time to put this into a book. And that's how it started. And and that's where it went from. And I was not prepared to find the things that I found out in the process, though. What were some of the most shocking things that you found during the process of investigating this case? Well, one of the things, first of all, was the mother's involvement. Always before, they had treated the mother like um, she was some type of victim. And mm-hmm. even in, if you see the film, you know, uh, the mother's the one that is thrown to the floor and such. In, in, in actuality, when I got into Father Bishop's diary and I started looking into it and taking it apart... And the way I did that is I wanted to look at it from the point of I was sitting down as an investigator. This is a case. This is a case I'm going to work. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at that way. And what what it revealed to me was this mother's involvement. She was not an innocent bystander by any means. Um, She was definitely a part of it. She was definitely knowing what she was doing. And she actually had motive to be doing what she was doing. And I thought that was more shocking than anything, um, was her involvement and how um, she actually, and I kind of joke about it in a way, and I've said this before, um, she she actually is sort of almost the the paranormal mommy dearest. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, Because... Looking at what she did, you know, one of the first things mm-hmm. in the diary that comes up, and, and I, we can go into great detail, I mean, we could talk an hour on her, um, was there was an event that's happening on his in his bedroom, and there's the sound of marching feet going up and down the bed, and she's hearing all of this, and she's holding her scared son, and the grandmother's there on the bed with him, but she does something really strange, she yells out, and she says, um, if this is aunt so-and-so, who the aunt was, had just died, and she was the one that taught the boy how to use the Ouija board, by the way. Um, and she goes, if this is aunt so-and-so, will you knock three times? And it knocks three times, and she, she, not only does she do it once, she does it again. And then later on, she's asking questions of this thing as it is, scratching and branding the answers of her questions into the boy's body. You know, she's saying stuff like that's how she figured out that she wanted to come to St. Louis and how long should she stay here? And should she send the boy to school? And every time that she asks these questions, he screams and yells in pain. As a matter of fact, he described the feeling as if he was being branded by something. And she continues asking these questions, Rob, as she watches her son scream in pain, actually literally becoming an oracle himself, almost like a Ouija board, right? And I went, there's something wrong with this right here. This, This is not right, right? Well, it goes on, and I mean, eventually they come to St. Louis, and one of the first nights that the exorcist arrives to the house, um, to help the boy, which, mm-hmm. by the way, she did not seek out the help from the church. It was a cousin that saw what was going on. When she got to St. Louis, she went to another spiritualist. And then she, she the, the priest actually sits there, witness has, they're questioning and looking for answers on the boy's body about where the aunt buried her money. <laughs> so Whoa. was money motivated. She, you know, the very fact that she was asking this spirit who was answering her writing on her son's body, mm-hmm. causing pain and distress to her son, shows that she wasn't playing with a full deck. Right. She really wasn't. I mean, there's, there's the, and, and not only that, it was almost, it almost was like, um, a Saturday Night Live skit or something, you know, where <laughs> someone says, she, she asks the question, he screams in pain, it comes on his body. And you would figure, you know, if that was your child, you would stop. 
immediately stop whatever it is causing your child pain. yeah no she went on she went on and she continued for weeks afterwards um causing the boy to go deeper and deeper into um the throes of possession it was her fault well how long in actuality did the possession uh last it, it started in January and it ended in April, the day after it was actually the Monday after Easter of that year. So it wasn't very long. I mean, you know, we've seen mm-hmm. other cases like Anna, Lisa, Michelle, you know, that, that it lasts for years. I mean, my case actually lasted for years. So this was a very, very small period of time, but it was focused in such a vengeance of how it attacked that. It's been able to live 60-something years after the event. Well, who were the initial investigators on this case? Who were the initial investigators? Well, there was there was different people that, that, that played different stories, mm-hmm. parts of it. Now, mind you, it was 1949. Um, the first person that she, she sees is, is a spiritualist. Um, and this was in Cottage City, Maryland. Um, she goes to her minister, which she's a Lutheran. Um, but interesting enough, the minister was more interested in what was happening with the boy from a paranormal standpoint, because he was actually um, in uh, correspondence with the Rhine Institute, by the way. He was interested in the paranormal. Um, and he wasn't much help. She went to a Catholic priest in Cottage City, Maryland, now, there's some debate on whether, now the diary says that an exorcism wasn't done, but we know later that there's a, a priest that claimed he did perform an exorcism in Cottage City, Maryland. So that's one of the things that we get into the book. We kind mm-hmm. of uh, weigh out what happened. It's hard to say. I would go with the diary, more or less, because when you look at the diary, Father Bishop wrote this diary as an internal document. It was not meant for public consumption. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of people involved along the way. Um, she took him to a medical doctor. The medical doctor said there was nothing wrong with him. She took him to a psychologist, and the psychologist said he was just a little high strung. Um, you know, so it was interesting to me, and from the boy's point of view, looking at it and seeing all of these people around him, I mean, priest, minister, uh, doctor, mother, all of these people that should have been there for him, that should have, that he would look to to find guidance and to lead him out of this thing, everybody just kind of was had their own agendas or were going their own way or simply didn't know what to do with him. So, you know, I really kind of started feeling sorry yeah. for him at point. How how close? Well, I, I just answered my own question because apparently there is no, <laughs> there is no, there is no parallel to the movie version of The Exorcist to the actual event. So it looks like Hollywood once again sensationalized in order to make a big buck. Incredibly sensationalized. Now if you if you now if you look at, go back and see the, the William, William Peter Blatty, he died not too long ago. But he thought he was going to bring the masses in, you know, the young back mm-hmm. to the church is what he thought. But if you look at the film and you look at the actual story, there's very little there that, you know, other than the fact that it inspired him, because the boy was not um, a pea-spitting, head-spinning, you know, um, beast. You know, and in some ways, I think maybe what he wanted to do there was, and, and I've always explained it to myself like this, was that he was looking for to show all of the possibilities of what could happen within the ex- within a, a possession. And so he took pieces from all kinds of cases and all possibilities, and he put them into one. And what you have is the Hollywood version, again, of um, entertainment. However, I think in this case, um, it may have done more damage than it did mm-hmm. good in, in a lot of ways, because... I think if you look at The Exorcist and what it was, it actually brought the devil into the realm of entertainment and made it a lot easier for people to be affected by it. And then you had The Omen, you had The Amityville Horror, you had mm-hmm. Poltergeist, one, two, three, four, five, uh, White Noise. It, it, it proved to Hollywood that, hey, you know what, there's money in scaring the hell out of these people and putting the church behind it. 
There's big business in it, absolutely, and the church doesn't mind it. The church doesn't mind it at all because as long as there's mm-hmm. a devil out there in the world, they're needed. You know, that's part. Of, that's part of the business. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exo Nation. Stephen A. Lachance is our special guest, and he is the author of "Confrontation with Evil: An In-Depth re- uh, Review of the 1949 Possession That Inspired the Exorcist." His website is www.stephenlachance.com. And I'll be back on the other side of the news break as we continue talking about the exorcist, hauntings, possessions, and the paranormal. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. www.xzbn.net is our broadcast network website where you can listen to the show and our network, 724-365. Don't go away. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a Southern Flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 
44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I don't think there's anyone listening tonight who hasn't Ethan's either seen The Exorcist or has uh, has heard of it. And uh, I, I remember back that time when The Exorcist came out, there was a, an onslaught uh, of evil activity that the media started focusing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do how do you, as an exorcist and and a paranormal researcher? see the the damage that Hollywood is doing and how it affects people who may not have had any problem whatsoever? Well, you know, it, it kind of, when you start and you invite something in, one of the first steps of, of when it is the first step of possession is invitation, um, meaning that you invite it into your life in some way. I mean, I can tell you the exact way that it happened for me. I mean, I kind of turned my back on my faith and my religion at one point um, due to the fact of I had some personal things that, right. that took me down that road. Um, but it does seem to work that way. Now, what you do is you start bringing these things into people's minds. And, you know, and, and it, there was even a point when I was writing the book, I felt a little guilty because in essence, I was doing the same thing in some ways. Um, even though it was more of a, a descriptive explanation. Mm-hmm. But you bring these things into your house. You know, we had a few years ago on a Halloween, um, there was an exorcism performed live on television, supposedly. You know, you bring this stuff into your house, it's inviting it in. It makes it a whole lot easier. And then this fascination, I don't know how many times I've been out there in the social media world and I've seen someone say, boy, I would love to see a possession or I would love to take part in a demonic haunting. That's part of the, you know, the invitation. And all of those ideas are coming from, it starts from someplace. And in many of the places that, that it's starting today is through entertainment. Um, you know, I, I cannot imagine what it is like and what somebody's thought process is that they would sit down with their kids and their family and sit down with a bowl of popcorn to watch, uh, the, you know, the devil on television in, hope to, they, in hopes that they see something along those lines. To me, that doesn't make sense. To me, that's not protecting your family in the way you should. And I think a lot of this is that way. I mean, you, you ask a lot of these young kids, and they've seen these movies, mm-hmm. Rob. Well, you know, I, the reason why you don't understand it is because you're a very smart person. That's why you don't mm-hmm. understand it, Stephen. Well, okay. <laughs> these people who who do watch these movies with their, their children, you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry. They need to get a life. They need a reality check. And, you know, to them, it's just a cheap thrill. Well, I don't believe there's anything as a cheap thrill. I think that these kind of thrills are very expensive and take a great mm-hmm. toll on your family. Um, look at some of the other shows that are on television. Walking Dead, like, mm-hmm. what's the fascination with zombies? What is, what's the fascination with, with vampires? What is the fascination with the paranormal period? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know. And it's, you know, and it's, it's really getting to a point where I, I don't think that we're going to be able to turn back. You know, I look at this, this 1949 case, yeah. 1949, but you know, when you, when you look at these things, they don't, they don't work under the same um, time frames that we do in, in time. You know, it could have very well been doing this case because it knew that when it got to 1969, 1970, that book was going to come out. And it knew in 1973 that that film was going to come out. And it could have been planning this a whole, wow. all the way along, and we just helped play into its hands. 68 you know, years. Perfect ago. timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. Just real quick. Perfect timing for this film, by the way. Think about it. What did you have going on? You had Vietnam, you had Watergate. You had um, mothers going back to the workforce. You had that guilt going on. 
You had all of these things that were going on. No one was trusting anybody. No one was trusting anything. And so they were looking for the bad guy or they were looking for something. And in mm-hmm. some ways, I think he thought he was giving a bad guy as far as the devil goes. But in a lot of ways, um, it was the superhero that a lot of people were looking for as well. Did the did the priest in the real case die? Yes. Yeah. He he, he not 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 during the exorcism. No, no way. Later later on, but um, yeah, uh, during the the exorcism, he 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 survived it, but it had long lasting effects on. Um, during the exorcism, he lost a tremendous amount of weight, anywhere from 35 to 75 pounds, wow. believing which report you hear. His brother was a doctor. I mean, mm-hmm. He didn't tell his brother what he was doing, but he went to his brother during the time because he had oozing boils all over his body, Rob. You know, this was during the exorcism. Mm. Afterwards, there were reports of um, you, you seeing him and he looked like maybe he had been drinking. And then they, they went to report it to the head of the university, and they said, well, no, he did that exorcism a few years ago. Give him the, the time to get through Mass, and you'll see he'll be okay. And then after Mass, he was all right. Um, I talked to some students from the high school, uh, St. Louis University High School. It's all a big complex up here. And they said that he, they would see him walking the halls, but they were always told they never talked to him. Because he was he was um, to be left alone because of the exorcism that he went through. It had lasting effects on this man, by the way. And what? I think that's really, really interesting because, you know, this guy sacrificed part of himself to save this, this boy. And, you know, that's the best of humanity you can you can find, I would think. What about the uh, the the subject of this exorcism? What do we know about his life after after the exorcist? That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. He well, first of all, he says he doesn't remember, mm-hmm. you know, the events. Which I I kind of wonder if maybe that is a protective yeah. device he uses so he doesn't have to talk about it. Um, we know that he went he went on to work for NASA. Uh, actually, uh, is is he lived a very good life where he's still living, um, but he worked for NASA. Uh, a rocket scientist, by the way, um, very stable gentleman. I mean, you know, for those out there that go, well, I think it was mental illness. Well, let's stop and think about that for a minute. He went to work for NASA. If he was mentally ill, that never would have happened. He would have never been able to get the clearances he needed to work for them. So, you know, he went and lived a pretty normal life considering. And I think that is part of the you know, it was just in the past, what, 10 years that we know his name now. Um, we know who he is. Um, I don't mention it in the book, by the way, because I, I wanted to give him that respect. Because I look at this as, I, I look at my kids, mm-hmm. and I look at myself, and I can't imagine what it would have been like for him to grow up. You know, because the news stories hit right afterwards, by the way. Um, you, you know, about the boy... Um, that was possessed, you know. So, I mean, this was something he lived with all of his life. And then, of course, obviously, when we got to the 70s, he's living with it in a much grander scale. I can't imagine what it was like being him. Um, I, I would think, you know, a lot of times that we look at him because of the film, and I think he is looked at as a monster. Um, instead of the young, impressionable, boy that he was of 13 he was 14 when it finished you know so Mm. i think a lot of times we forget to to realize that this was this was pretty much a child that we're talking about this wasn't a monster rob this was a boy what were their religious affiliations before the the events of 1949 were they were they churchgoers did they have were they endowed in their debt in in their religion were they practicing Dude, that's very interesting because uh, they were very, very um, strong Lutherans. Anything that you read or um, anybody that you talk to will tell you that their Lutheran faith at that point was very, very strong. However, there was the aunt. Uh, She was a spiritualist. You know, they had no problems. And at first I was like, well... 
you know, how can you be Lutheran, but you allow, you know, the occult into your house in this way? But then I got to thinking about it. It's the end of the spiritualism movement. Right. You know, it was nothing for people to go to, you know, to live their lives in a spiritualistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday through Saturday, and then on Sunday, go to church. I mean, it, it was pretty much normal. And the Ouija board at that point, and still in many ways today, is was considered a game and is considered a game. So I, I think that is interesting. But they were very, very strong. Now, when it was all said and done, um, the boy during became Catholic, and then the parents came became Catholic the following Christmas. Whatever happened to Mommy Dearest? Um, she's she's gone. <laughs> she had a nervous breakdown during the whole process, though, which is interesting. Now, now doing the work and in, in working in these kind of cases, mm-hmm. you realize that when there's a child possessed that often it's not the child that is the target of that case. And that was very much the same with this. This was that mother. It knew what it was playing and how it was playing. And there's a point in the diary where she goes, she goes away for a while. Um, she has a nervous breakdown basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I think at that point, you know, and you kind of get the impression that she realized what she was doing. Um, you know, can you imagine at that point, at the point of no return, standing there looking at your child and seeing him go through what he was going through, which was, oh my gosh, dear. Um, you know, I, 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 it had to affect her. And I think in, 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 in eventuality, what happened to her is it, it pushed her over the edge. And then she obviously came back. Um, later, and hopefully she lived more of a normal life. But I, you always hear stories that she wasn't the most stable, though. You know. Well, that that um, goes to that. That is proven by the fact that she was letting this mm-hmm. demonic entity use her son as a as a chalkboard. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, come on! <laughs> I love that as a chalkboard. Exactly. You know, it's. So so why do you why do you, what was it like reading this this diary? I, it was, well, you know, I was excited to do this book because it was not going to be from a personal mm-hmm. case, you know, because I mean, the, some of the other books were very personal and I thought this was, but you know, the thing is, is that living in the head of this child day in and day out was horrible. I mean, it really was. And then to see the points of, to see and, and empathize with them from the fact of, I know what my kids went through, and I saw them go through it. And to look and see how much worse of what he was going through. It was very, very depressing. I mean, there were days that were very depressing during the writing of this one. I got to tell you, and it was horrible living in his mind. Um, I, I just couldn't imagine what it must have been like for him, especially when you realize that, so many people that should have been there for him or not. I mean, to me, that was one of the saddest stories. And it's actually, I, I ended up um, dedicating the book to him, by the way, uh, for that reason, because I, I hope I gave a more human story and a more human telling and a more factual, yeah. factual, real important telling of this, this than anyone else has done before. Stephen, um, we've got to take our final break. Please stand by. Explanation. Stephen Lachance is our special guest. He's got a great new book out, Confrontation with Evil, an in-depth review of the possession of the 1949 possession that inspired The Exorcist, and it's available through our good friends at Llewellyn. You can also visit Stephen online at Stephen A. Lachance. We'll both be back as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Hi, everyone. Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on Internet streaming. Everybody has heard about Internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the Internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? 
Well, now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, Soul Balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Stephen Lachance is our guest. We're talking to Stephen about his new book, Confrontation with Evil, and it's uh, published by Llewellyn. It's available all over the place, and if you'd like to find out more about Stephen, visit his website, stephenlachance.com. Stephen, what's it like, or what what happens to a child that goes through the type of psychological stress and trauma that this child went through? How How is he... You know, is is the fact that he doesn't remember anything the the mind's way of protecting him and allowing him to get back to life as 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 he knew it before the event? 
I think you got your finger on it. I think when you when you when you look at this, there's a lot of post traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. You, for those that remember it, for those that don't, it's almost like the person that lives through a severe car accident. You know, they don't remember right. the accident itself. And I think it is the mind protecting itself and protecting them from things that would harm them in a way. Um, you know, a good friend of mine that went through a possession once described it, and I kind of understand him not remembering parts of this as well, because she she went through a possession and she talked about um, when she would go under, you know, um, when the demon would take over, she would go to a dark place. And a lot of times I think that's what happens. They go away from themselves. And so they don't realize what is happening um, once the demon is present in, in some cases. And maybe that is a blessing, Rob. Why doesn't God or the archangels intervene and cast the spirit out? And why do they allow the the victims of the exorcist to endure so much so much pain and so much psychological trauma? Well, you know, there's. <laughs> I wish I had the answer to that. Mm. I mean, but I, in my mind, I believe that it, it is always for a purpose. Maybe the purpose was that it allowed this to happen in this case um, because this mother needed. Um, to be grounded back to where she needed to be, and she wasn't doing anything uh, right for her child. Yeah. Maybe that's what this but was if, about. But if that was, was, it's very difficult to decide. But if that was the why. case where the mother needed the grounding, why not have the demon possess the mother? Why put the child through it? Well, you know, one of the, that's true, but one of the things the demon wanted to do more than anything, mm-hmm. you know, the idea behind a child being possessed most of the time is the demon trying to get the parent to say, take me instead. But once again, in the Bible, it says, you know, suffer little children to come unto me for thine will be the kingdom right. of heaven. And yet it seems that it's the children who do the most suffering. Yeah. No, yeah even in the Bible. Yeah. True. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I, I don't have a definitive answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, other than the fact of faith tells us that, uh, things happen to us for a reason, and there's reasoning behind this, and you know, and the idea that God, God actually allows these things to happen at times. To your knowledge, has anyone who is an atheist ever been possessed? Hmm. Offhand, I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody out there at, at one point. Well, you know what? I was. I was really not believing when it happened. When everything happened to us, really. So, I, I think, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. You know. Um. Yeah. I. I really had turned my my back to it mm. all. I, I. I had a sister die, and it was back. You know what grief can do to you. Sure. Um. But you know. So I imagine that it's very possible because, you know, I, I saw myself go through it. Um, you know, I also saw uh, uh, a young woman, that come to think of it. Yeah, I do know of one, actually. I, there was a case I worked a few years ago where the, the, the girl um, had been raped by Ooh. a priest, by the way. We couldn't have a priest help her. Um, but what was interesting about the case, Rob, is that she was a complete atheist, and, and, and she was completely taken over. So so what happens to a spirit or a demon when the demon is cast out through the, through the rite of, of exorcism? Does the demon then have the ability to repossess someone? Well, yes. You know, they're, they're, some people go, well, they bind the demon. No, that's not the case at all, because... And I, I can tell you this for a fact, because when one of the things about um, the demon is that you have to have the demon tell us his name. You know, he has to come forth with the name of who he is. Why? And there's, I, it's, it's, it's a recognition oh, I see. Of, of, of it. And, you know, in numerous cases, you know, we've seen repeat, repeat offenders mm-hmm. <laughs> come out in the different cases. Um, you know, so it goes from one to the other, you know, it's not a binding that happens that makes it, um, unable to go to someone else. It goes to someone else. So how, so how does one prevent themselves from being possessed? Attitude in life, Rob, 
is everything. I mean, this was the hardest thing for me to come to terms with. I had to get to the point, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, and this is every one of my cases, this is always. First of all, you have to understand where you participated in it, how you invited it in, how you allow, allow, allowed it to take up residency, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, you have to realize that, you know, there's a whole lot in this world to be thankful for. To be happy about, and you know, and you, you kind of chase things away. You look for things like faith, and, and I'm talking about a spiritual faith, not a religious faith. Right. Love for your you love, family, and one of the big important things that I found, believe it or not, is laughter. You got to learn how to laugh again, and it helps a whole lot. You know, I, I remember in the movie Michael, where uh, John Travolta is playing the Archangel Michael. He says. You got to learn how to laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And I and I cannot tell you, it, it took it took a while. It took yeah. a while after you know going through what we did. I sure. remember waking up one day and I was just happy I woke up. But each day that you're thankful for something, you add to it, and before long, your life changes and you're back on the right track again. How many A positive tracks positive? How many people have you helped through demonic possession since you yourself went through your 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 horrible event? Oh well, actually, it's a very small percentage of cases. You know, the actual people through demonic possession probably would be you know, and I've helped thousands with hauntings. Hauntings are different things, by the way. Um, very different in how they behave, but in in the actual possession, mm-hmm. um, I've seen I've been part of um, six actual possessions, and I've seen a handful of demonic hauntings. Other than that, well, um, most of the time what, it is spirit. Spirit. Well, what's the difference between a possession and a demonic haunting? I, I you know, one of the first, which was one of my first questions I asked years ago, and. Um, uh, I, I had a friend tell me, you know, the way you can do uh, a haunting is going to move a toy car across the floor. <laughs> a demonic, a demonic possession is going to pick that car up and throw it through the wall. Wow! And it, there's there's truth to that. I mean, there's there's things. It's it's much more powerful, and um, it works in very specific ways. The hauntings you, you don't follow any rhyme, set, or reason usually. Um, but these things do, and they're always the ones that um, you're going to find the big movement, the big activity, the scratching, and that sort of thing. Do people try to purposely con- uh, to misrepresent themselves as a person who is being demonically possessed who request an exorcism? <laughs> you know, that's funny. It's every time one of those darn movies come out, Rob, you know you're going to get a rush of people that really huh? possessed. I don't know if they, it's because they, I don't think that they're, they're, they're deliberately, for the most part, trying to deceive. Mm-hmm. I think in their mind, they work it up to the point where, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the closet door opens by itself. And somebody that without the right kind of knowledge would, would think to themselves, okay, that's the devil, you know, instead of the wind or anything else. But, you know, so it happens, and it seems like it follows these things, of these films and such. And um, I, that was one of the things about writing this book I, that, that concerned me. I'm like, how many people am I going to have to tell they're, they're not possessed afterwards? <laughs> we talked briefly about Ouija boards. What is your advice to any parent out there listening tonight who is contemplating getting their child a toy known as a Ouija board? So, so you know, uh, and, 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 and don't let your kids go out and investigate either. But, you know, these things, you know, most of the time, you're going to pull nuts with them and nothing is going to happen and everything is going to be okay. But there are those cases that something steps in. And, you know, in even you don't want your child to even begin to have to deal with that because they could be dealing with it for a lifetime. Um, And as far as as an adult, you don't want to bring that into your life either. Hey, Stephen, it's been a great hour talking to you, my friend. As always, I wish you much success. Let our listeners know how they can get a copy of your book and how they can find out more about you. And I hate to say it, but if anybody needs your assistance, how they can get that. 
Well, they can go to my website, stevenlachance.com. There is a contact tab there. The books are available worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere books are sold or downloaded is where you can get them. Um, so, you know, in, in anybody that's got any questions, I'm not one of these people that doesn't answer anybody. If you ask me a question, I'll give you an answer. So go to stevenlachance.com and hit the contact tab. Stephen, to you and your family, continued blessings. Keep the great work up, and I look forward to the next time you and I join each other here in the Exxon or somewhere in the great beyond. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care, my friend. Exxon Nation, I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and across Europe on Radio X. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. We'll be back after the news.